Well, good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome from me to you as we join together this morning. And I'm just really privileged to be able to be here with you and to be able to share God's message. And I hope everyone who's watching are doing okay. Well, this morning we are continuing our series entitled No Ordinary Father. So how would you describe him? What is he like? And how well do you know him? If you were to put these questions to the psalmist David, who was the shepherd, the warrior, the king, the musician and the composer of Psalm 103, and he is able to answer. This psalm is a beautiful, worship-filled expression. It depicts a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with God the Father. David recalls his personal experience and the discovery that he has made about who his heavenly father is and the bond that has been created and forged between them. And how amazing, isn't it, that in the same way we can know God, discover who he is, experience him and know him as our heavenly father and as a father who is just lavishly compassionate in the way that he is described in this psalm. So do join with me as we read together from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to keep his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. 
I wonder if you've taken note how many times the psalmist has said, praise the Lord or praise the Lord, my soul. He is stirring up his soul in giving thanks to God. He is recalling and counting his blessings. All my inmost being praise his holy name. There is nothing half-hearted here. All my inmost being is David's response as he reminds himself of all the Father's benefits given in the relationship with him. It is a worshipful recognition of being the recipient of the lavishness of the Father's love and compassion towards him personally, and he recalls also towards the children of Israel, and as we read the psalm today, towards you and me. The psalm, if you like, incorporates the all of God, the all of who he is, and the all of what he does and gives. I think we have a picture here of someone with outstretched arms who acknowledges that they're receiving so many gifts that they can't hold on to them all at one time. They're just spilling over in the amount given. He is the father who gives good gifts to his children. And these are not gifts that are here today and gone tomorrow. They last forever. They are unique treasures, priceless and eternal in their value. David, remember, was a musician. And I think that is reflected here in this psalm as well. Because the psalm begins, then as he stirs up his soul, it builds, develops, expands into a crescendo of worship and thanks to God. It is an opening up of the heart that embraces more and more of the greatness and the appreciation of who his heavenly father is and why he deserves our worship. All my inmost being praise his holy name. This is God my father, David is saying, and my life is completely and utterly indebted to him. And as David worships, he draws us in to join him as believers in being caught up with him heavenward to our God and our Father in this heartfelt response of deep gratitude of all the Father's benefits. And as his worship and praise progresses, it's as if David begins to unwrap to us all these gifts that the Father gives. So let's join him. Let's examine and look at these gifts and discover the compassionate Father who gives his all. Well, from verses 1 to verse 5, we enter into the doorway of David's personal story, and it's a story that can echo ours. The spotlight focuses and it centres upon being in the pit. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Now, in Old Testament times, the pit consisted of a very deep hole dug out into the ground. They could be used to hold and draw drinking water from, so a bit like a, a deep well, also used sometimes to catch animals in, and on occasions used as a dungeon or a prison. 
Now, if you were in the pit, you would be absolutely helpless to get up out of it by yourself. It was a desperate and a dark place to be in. And if left there, you would certainly die. The Jews also referred to the pit as Sheol, the grave. Now, I think that there are many of us in the circumstances we've been experiencing who might well describe life as being in the pit. Suddenly, everything has changed, our freedom has been restricted, and it seems out of our control. And we have a real sense of helplessness. We also sometimes talk about the pitfalls in life, referring to the struggles and difficulties we experience. Well, in David's life, he certainly was no stranger to struggles and difficulties and tough times. He might well have felt that his life was in the pit when he was under threat of death from King Saul, for example. No fault of his own that Saul had it in for him. But what did David do in the situation? He cried out to God for his help. He looked and reached out to God. So what do we do in tough times? Are we reaching out? Are we making contact with our Heavenly Father? We've just been remembering with gratitude VE Day. And I personally was quite moved when I, I read and discovered this information about the Second World War. And these were very tough times. I read that the King, backed up by the Parliament, called our nation to days of prayer. The first time the day of prayer was announced was after Winston Churchill declared to the nation that Britain was in dire straits, that we could be defeated. Why? Because the British army were trapped on the beaches at Dunkirk. My own dad was among them. The nation came together to pray. Apparently churches and halls were crammed with people reaching out to God. The rescue mission at Dunkirk that followed was then declared as a miracle rescue. Over 300,000 troops were brought back and it was reported that on that day of the rescue, the English Channel was uniquely calm. I think that's so significant. And the people had reached out to God for his help. And he was there. David himself knew all about being rescued and reaching out to God. There was a particular occasion in his life when he fell, as it were, into the pitfall of sin. It caused him to look at the, his own life, his own mirror, as it were. And he did face up to some fundamental truths. Firstly, that God the Father is holy, and he refers to that in this psalm, praise his holy name. Secondly, that he, in complete contrast, was a sinful, broken human being, majorly messed up, and it caused himself to reach out and to cry out to God in real sorrow and repentance. He wanted to turn his life around, asked for God's mercy, asked for God's forgiveness, asked for God's help 
in the brokenness of the pit. And it is David's story that then causes him to worship and praise God. It is his experience of the compassionate love of the Father responding to him, lifting him back up, restoring him, and bringing him back into that relationship with God as his heavenly Father. Psalm 40 verse 2 describes it beautifully. He lifted me up from the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. He put a new song in my mouth. And I guess the song was, Praise the Lord, my soul. Many of us know exactly what David is talking about here because it echoes our own story. That in life we have been in that pit like David. We have cried out to God for his help. And what is that cry? I need you, God. I need you in my life. And there is often a recognition in that cry that we have actually left God out of our lives. We have lived independently of him. And then we discover that when we do reach out to him, in our helplessness, in our brokenness, that he is there reaching out to us with a father's love and compassion. So what does it mean and look like to have compassion? Well, the general meaning is to recognize, to feel, to have concern for the needs and the suffering of others in the situation they are in and the desire to do something to alleviate. There is nothing superficial about compassion. It rises up and responds from deep within and it is self-giving. And we saw a lot of that during the war and we see a lot of that at the moment. God's compassion includes all of that description but it also goes much deeper and much wider because God's compassion also contains the release and the giving of his mercy, his kindness, his patience, his truth, his grace and favour, his forgiveness, all interwoven within the lavishness of his love. And it's a love that reaches out with a passion for all of humanity that has compelled him to respond and to act on our behalf. This is what the psalmist is prophetically also pointing forward to when he says, he redeems your life, he redeems my life from the pit. In the Old Testament, to redeem involved being delivered and set free from bondage and slavery. A price had to be paid in order to set someone free for example, from being a slave. And David in the psalm recalls God's compassionate love in delivering the children of Israel from their slavery. And my, how patient, how long-suffering, how merciful, how forgiving God was with the children of Israel in their journey with him, in spite of them continually throwing it back in his face. He kept pursuing them out of love to bring them back into relationship with him. Are we any different from these children of Israel? We and the rest of humanity? 
in how we behave and conduct ourselves and treat God in life? No, we're not. And yet God's love pursues us. He is the father that is described here as being gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, the father who does not treat us as we deserve. This is who he is and this is what he is like. The loving God who comes to save us from the pit of sin that imprisons our lives and separates us from knowing God. And I think the cost and the sacrifice involved in saving us highlights the depth of his compassion towards us in the depth of our helplessness and brokenness. The Father willingly, willingly sends and gives his own son. It was Jesus who came down into the pit. It was Jesus who exchanged places with us. It was the blood of Jesus who paid the debt on the cross. And it was Jesus who went to shale the grave in order to redeem us from that pit of sin and the consequences of death. He is our redeemer, our deliverer. What a gift. And when we do reach out to him and receive his salvation, what does he do? He lifts us up from that pit, out of the darkness, into the light, by the power of his resurrection. And he declares over us, because I live, he said, you shall live. What a gift. Do you know the greatest battle over evil, the greatest victory ever won, the greatest freedom ever offered is in Jesus? and his gift of salvation. And David in verse five, he likens this to having your youth renewed. Who doesn't want their youth renewed? Like the eagles, he said. What does that mean? Well, eagles, like many birds, will shed their old feathers and new ones will take their place. It renews their ability to powerfully soar with freedom and the release of new life. This is the Father who lifts us from the pit and look at the contrast, crowns us with love and compassion. He covers and he clothes us with new life. The old has gone, the new has come and his lavish compassion cancels out our sin and its record. Deleted, wiped clean, doesn't go into any archives. He forgives and he forgets. Just visualize this fantastic description in verse 11 and verse 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sin from us. For me, that makes a picture of the cross and the work of the cross. This is the Father's compassionate, grace-filled conduct towards you and me, in spite of and independent of our conduct towards him. This is his loving favour, a saviour who gives us a new beginning, a life-giving and life-changing relationship with God our Heavenly Father. I often wonder how many people have said, 
if only, if only I had my time again, I would press the pause button to start over. And God the Father in Jesus gives us that amazing opportunity to do just that. What a gift. And there is more. Look at verse 13 onwards. His children are given promises and assurances. We see the tender-hearted look of the Father upon us, his children. He knows that we are mere mortals, that our humanity is fragile and time-limited, just like grass or a flower. And haven't we all become so much more aware of the reality of that? But our Heavenly Father wants us to take hold of this reality, that God himself is not mortal, he is not fragile, he is not time-limited, that he is from everlasting to everlasting. And there is a beautiful promise here for us, and it's this, that his everlasting love is with us. Take hold of that. Keep taking hold of that. His everlasting love is with us. That's a love that never wavers, is constantly there, permanently there, continues with us into eternity with him. Furthermore, and this to me is really precious, this same love is available for our children's children. That's our families, our children, our grandchildren, future generations. Isn't that beautiful? And the psalmist reminds us within this that as his children, we are to regard him we are to treat the Lord in our relationship with him with awesome respect, keeping close to him, loving him, and living life his way. All my inmost being praise his holy name for all of the Father's benefits. These are the gifts, and I just only touch the surface but the gifts reflect the Father, the giver, who gives his all. No wonder then that this finale of this psalm brings us into this crescendo of praise and thanksgiving. You can hear the volume becoming louder as the psalmist declares with great confidence, and this is our confidence, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. The angels, all the heavenly hosts, everywhere praise the Lord. David is singing his heart out now. Are you joining him? Lavish praise to a heavenly father who is just lavishly compassionate. No ordinary father. This is who he is. This is what he is like. And I just finish with a question to ponder upon. So how well do you know him? Are you in touch with him? Are you reaching out to him? The Father who gives his all. I pray that you may know the blessing of Jesus in your life, the gift of the Father's love that will cause you to declare with the psalmist and sing from your heart, no matter what the circumstances, praise the Lord 
my soul. God bless you.